In a matter of moments, once we get the show going, we have got a special holiday shopping idea to share with you as Manscaped is joining us in offering up something to help keep things fresh in celebration of the season because, you know, when you look around the league, you may have noticed that, for instance, the Clippers have underperformed this season. So 20% off and free shipping with the code sound when you check out at manscaped.com maybe just what you need i mean you've been thinking about a gift for the holidays aaron justin drew really anyone in your life we will help you get to it with 20 percent off and free shipping if you go to manscaped.com and use the code sound this is nba sound system live Featured on NBA.com sites around the world and archived on the NBA Sound System podcast feed where you get your podcasts by searching NBA Sound System. Thank you for joining us. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, each with the handle at NBA Sound System, or visit us at NBASoundSystem.com for more. Now, NBA Sound System Live. Another Tuesday. 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific Time, LIV live across the NBA global networks. It is NBA Sound System. It is Carlin Gay. It is Scott Rafferty. Scott, what's up, man? Uh, Steph Curry is 16 threes away from moving to first place all time, and it sounds like he's going to try and do it. Yeah, and it sounds like he's going to try and do it all in one game. So uh, I think it's I think it's a good week. How you doing? Uh, spoiler alert: He's not going to get there because that would mean he would be setting a record that uh, I know previously he held, and he pretty much holds all the three point records there is to to hold right now um, except for one main one which he will get to I don't think it's happening though on Wednesday night when uh, when when they play again when the Golden State Warriors play again that game will be on national TV um, I don't think it's ha- he's not hitting 17 threes uh, in his next game it's happening it's it's 16 threes that he needs to surpass Ray Allen I believe okay um, and, and it's coming against the Blazers who uh, aren't so hot defensively mm. so I, look let's have some fun with it he's, he's getting the record He's not getting the record against the Blazers. Well, but speaking <laughs> of the Blazers, we're going to talk about them in a little bit. Uh, we're going to dig through our notebook, Scott, and maybe you have some more Steph stats out there that might prove you right in Steph breaking the record on Wednesday against the uh, Portland Trail Blazers. Um, the Rockets, I, I don't know what's gotten into them, but they're they're going streaking. They, they've put on a little bit of a win streak. Um, hasn't really made a dent in the standings, but we'll get to that a little bit later. And... Uh, Speaking of streaks, the the I almost called them Vancouver Grizzlies, the Memphis Grizzlies uh, are on a little bit of streak of their own without their star John Morant. We'll find out exactly how they're doing it. I told you last week, Scott, that I would ask again, um, who do you think is the best team in the Western Conference, either the Suns or the Warriors? These two teams played against each other twice last week. They will play again on Christmas Day. Uh, obviously, there was injuries in the second matchup, so there wasn't that 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 playoff feel. I think in the second matchup that happened at the back end of last week, but the Warriors tied the series up at, or season series up at one. Where do you sit? Are the Warriors or the Suns? And a reminder: you said the Suns last time we asked this question, so it was a week ago. You said the Suns are the Warriors or the Suns the best team in the Western Conference. Oh wow, we're doing this right now. You're putting. We're doing it right now. Yeah, I'm putting you on. Yeah, right now. Oh, okay. Right now. Um, Why wait? I figure. Look, it it, it was tough to know what to make. Those two games were both fun, Um, especially the first one. Came down to the wire. Some big time shots um, from Chris Paul down the stretch. DeAndre was an absolute monster, and and we talked about it. Mikel Bridges' defense on Steph Curry was unbelievable. The Warriors ran away with the second one. 
Uh, but ultimately, it's kind of hard to know what to take too much away from both of those matchups because there was no Devin Booker for the second one. We obviously know there's no Clay Thompson, no James Wiseman. Um, so the next time these two teams meet, we'll see uh, more bodies on the floor, I think. And the, and the fourth time they'll meet, we, we hopefully will see them at full strength. Um, I've probably delayed my response enough at this point. I, I think I'm going to stick... I think I'm going to stick with the Suns. I, I, I just, I love, I mean, both teams are so good on both ends of the court. I, I just think that the Suns are a little bit more adaptable, I think, um, mm-hmm. over the course of a series. And I also just love the fact that they have, I, I mean, two of the, some of the best, potentially the, the two best closers in the game right now in Chris Paul and Devin Booker. Um, two guys who are just relentless in isolations, pick and roll, can get their shot what feels like any time. Um, and when they, when they, everyone else is kind of firing on cylinders or on all cylinders, I, I I just I love how well rounded they are. So I I think I'd still give the Suns a slight edge right now. I uh, I'm going with the Warriors. I'm going with the Warriors because I think they have the trump card in their back pocket in Clay Thompson when he comes back from injury. And I think in a seven game series, I'd feel more comfortable picking the Warriors right now that could change on Christmas Day when I see these two teams go at it again I think I need to see one more time one more time and I'll, and I'll have a definitive answer and and that will happen after uh, on Christmas Day when the next sound system right after that which will be following Tuesday I'll be able to answer that without uh, question um, Scott you know you know me pretty well right like we've known each other for about almost five years yeah, so. really work together daily uh, I probably talk to you more than I talk to my wife to be fair um, and you know two things about me. One is I hate overtimes, extra overtime mm-hmm. sessions in NBA games. And the second thing is I hate fouls. And mm-hmm. the, the foul that I hate the most is the loose ball foul. And our friends over at Manscaped are going to help me stop loose ball fouling. There's a loose ball foul on Chris Paul. Then there's an altercation. Fight for the rebound, Noah, and a loose ball foul on Noah. That's his fifth. This is Buddy Heald trying Play to fight balls out defense. Trying to fight through that screen and that's balls out defense right there. <laughs> got himself a got himself a flagrant two. Yeah, something new here on NBA Sound System coming to you from the home office, where you know the code word sound is the thing to remember, along with the quick reminder here that the holidays can mean a fresh start so in the spirit of the season manscaped is joining us here and offering up a deal to keep things fresh both on and off the court you know it had us thinking about two of our very favorites right now in charlotte and chicago the ball brothers and how two plus two equals 4.0 it's simple math the manscaped performance package 4.0 headlined by their signature lawnmower 4.0 is here to cut through the lane and remove any obstacles in the way. Manscaped has engineered their fourth generation trimmer to feature a cutting edge ceramic blade to, and this is important here, reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. It's even waterproof. So a few weeks back, the good folks at Manscaped got in touch with us here at NBA Sound System. We'd gone back and forth just a bit, and you hear about them everywhere on podcasts. Of course, we like to do things a bit different. So NBA Sound System, of course, all about sound. Thus, if you've been thinking about a new trimmer or anything really for grooming, 20% off and free shipping with the code sound when you check out at manscaped.com might be just what you need to take things up a notch in your pregame prep and really don't limit this to just the 
body of work we've been talking about, take advantage of that this is really a fully functioning trimmer for various tasks. I mean, personally really haven't been getting to the barber quite enough and to clean up sideburns and around the ears before Zoom calls, etc. It works like a charm. But really, the various packages that they can send that you can check out at manscaped.com will have you able to leave 2021 behind and start 2022 with a fresh approach. Health, hygiene, feeling sharp now comes with the right tools for safe and precise grooming and some post-trimming products to keep things dry and fresh downstairs when the work is done. They have got a full range of products. And when you go to manscaped.com, again, be sure to use that code sound so they know you heard it here and you know if you've been thinking about a gift for the holidays you've been thinking about giving this a try to keep things in good shape for a festive season with all the trimmings grab 20 percent off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code sound it's 20 percent off use the code sound friends at manscaped just gonna help you with uh no more loose ball fouls as you know scott i'm i'm not a fan of uh either Double overtimes, loose ball fouls. I don't really like triple overtimes. Any overtime beyond the first overtime, <laughs> you know I hate, um, which is a big debate in our office many, many days of the year. All right, um, another big debate in our office many days of the year, or at least since the start of the season, is what the Portland Trailblazers should do. Um, right now, they have not looked great over the last couple of weeks, and that's putting it kindly. Um, there's a lot going on. In Portland, uh, they are in a three-game losing streak at the time of recording this and speaking to you. They're, they only have one road win to speak of, um, which is a sign of a team that generally does not make the postseason when you're that bad on the road. Uh, obviously, you know injuries has something to do with it. Damian Lillard has been out with injury. Um, they have a new head coach, first-time head coach in Chauncey Billups trying to figure things out uh, in the NBA. They, there's front office drama. They they, they lost their um, uh, president or, or general manager Neil O'Shea got uh, got canned last week, uh, and now there's rumors that you know Damian Lillard wants to play with Ben Simmons. Um, who doesn't? Uh, maybe maybe Joel Embiid is the answer. But <laughs> Damian Lillard wants to play with Ben Simmons. Um, where do you sit on everything that's going on in Portland, and what can happen for? things to turn around because this is a this is a franchise that they've been okay you know over the last couple of years but it really seems like they're spiraling out of control uh into this dysfunctional sort of realm that i don't think not only the talent but from what we've seen over them for decades they really deserve to be in look i think this franchise has had a lot of success over the last decade right they've been a a regular in the playoffs they've had some runs they had that one run to the western conference finals it's never felt like they've really broken through but i do feel like we we always talk about you know championships and ring culture and there is a ton of value on just making the playoffs every single year um, being in that mix being competitive and that's what the blades have done and they've had you know damian Lillard and cj mccullum one of the best duos in the league dame's one of the best players in the league um but the, the issue is that it feels like every year the same things prevent them from making a deep run and yet they don't really address those things um, because this team has been fantastic offensively basically year in year out since Damian Lillard has been on this team defensively has not been the same story so we've seen this same recipe last year was a great example when they got Norman Powell 
it was them going all in on offense and they were already one of the best offensive teams in the league and one of the worst defensive teams and Norman Powell is a capable defender um he, he can be disruptive but he's known for his offense and we saw what happened in that first round matchup with Denver um they were fully healthy, or I remember them being fully healthy against the Denver team that wasn't anywhere close to being healthy, and yet they couldn't win that series um, against essentially Nikola Jokic just doing absolutely anything he wanted to their defense. So, and then that leads us to this year where they made some changes in the offseason. None of them have really had the dramatic change that I think they expected. Um, and here they are, under 500, kind of in that play-in mix. They ran... 10th offensively they've stumbled a little bit since Damian Lillard has been out with an injury he's also been up and down this season um, and they're dead last in defensive rating uh, 30th in the league and, and the problem is I, I think it's just it's a roster thing right like the athletic Sam Vecini made a good uh, point I thought on his podcast the other day where he's talking about like they just lack versatile defenders like guys who can switch you know what I mean like Nurkic mm-hmm. is a one positional defender CJ mm-hmm. McCollum's limited on that end of the court Damian Lillard I think he's improved throughout his career defensively but he's still not going to guard like outside of his position um, and, that, and that's what makes the Ben Simmons swap potentially so interesting right because I, I do think they would probably lose some of their offensive firepower in going from CJ McCollum to Ben Simmons but they would get such a boost defensively from adding one of the best defenders in the entire league, a guy who can basically guard four positions, sometimes five, is super disruptive, can guard the best player on the opposing team, can switch across the board. So that bump that you'd get defensively, even if they were not quite as good offensively, and I do think he would actually fit in really well next to Damian Lillard and the two of them would complement each other well, Like maybe that's what can kind of get this Portland team back on track. Um, and over the hump because it, it it still doesn't seem like Dame is is close to ask like requesting a trade like we know he's super loyal he's talked throughout his career about not wanting to leave Portland um, I, I don't know I don't get the sense that like a trade demand is coming um, but if it, it, it does seem like they're kind of reaching a point where you know we, we've discussed at length over the last few years about whether or not they should kind of trade CJ McCollum and, and break up this roster or do more moves but it kind of seems like it's it's really nearing that point now. I think we've hit that point a while ago, and now we're just getting way past the expiry date there. I love C.J. McCollum, but it, Dame and C.J. He's a great isn't basketball the, player. Great player. And, but Dame and C.J. together, they're not the backcourt that's going to bring you a championship team, especially with the limited resources that they have to try and improve around those two guys. Now, McCollum is not having a great season uh, by his standards. The, the, you know, this is probably the worst season he's had since 2016 when he really sort of came on to the scene. Um, you know, Since then, he's averaged 21, 23, 22 points per game. Uh, now his average, which is still good, but down to 20, and you're shooting below 45% from the field. Uh, he's not knocking down threes at the high clip that he was a year ago when he was really cooking and, and looked like he was going to make the all-star team for the first time, right? Like he, he was going, uh, he was, he was trending in that direction. Then the injuries happened and we know, we know the rest, but he's at the foul line shooting 70%, which is good if you're Shaq, but that's not good for a guy that led the league at one point in his career at 91% from the free throw line. So there's a big drop off there and you know dame um you know say all you want to say about him obviously he was probably dealing with injury maybe it's fatigue from you know playing basketball in the summer with team usa but he's really struggled from the field uh he really has he's shutting he's shooting under 40 percent from the field um and under well we'll give him 31 percent from three-point range it's not good enough uh for for damian lillard uh, last year, you know, averaged 28 points per game. The year before that, 30. He's down to 21.5 points per game. 
And it's not like his assist numbers are going up either. No, it, he's, he's averaging uh, you know, only 7.8 uh, 7. assists per game. Last year it was 7.5. The year before that it was 8. So this isn't it looks like he's not healthy, right? And and maybe him sitting out will get him back on track, and we can get to you know Dame being the player that we know him to be. But I think as he sits there and watches his Trailblazers team, reality has to set in. I know he's a loyal guy, and I know he wants to do the honest thing. And he, he put it in a rap lyric. He wants to be the guy that you know brings a championship to the team that drafted him. He wants to do what Giannis did with in Milwaukee: stay loyal and figure it out, and and go through the ups and downs. The Blazers have had a lot of ups and downs, as you said, and there is value to making the postseason. There is value to making runs, but I think they hit their ceiling two years ago or maybe three years ago now when they made the conference finals, and yes, they ran into an all-time great team, right? Like They ran into the Warriors, who most would put in you know, the top three or four of the best teams we've ever seen on an NBA floor, so no shame in losing there, but that team never got better from that moment. They've gotten worse every single year. And I know there's been injuries that have impacted that, but it doesn't feel like those injuries have been significant enough for me to look at this team and say that had those players been in had those players been healthy, this Portland Trailblazers team would have made a deeper run in the postseason. It, it, those injuries have not made me say that yet. So I feel confident in saying that this team has peaked. It's time. It has long been time for them to figure it out, and I think that they should definitely continue to build around Dame Lillard. But time is running out. He's not—he's not a spring chicken. Thirty-one years old. Um, he, he's going to be, you know, up for big money. Could could sign a supermax, I think, in this offseason, if I'm not mistaken. And that's a lot of money to commit to a guy who's going to be aging, and may not age as gracefully as we think he should. And he does not have the talent around him. To, uh, to to really get them over the top. And if he does sign that Supermax, or if they do have to offer him that Supermax and he signs it, now you're looking at you know limited resources to, to build around him, and you got to do it on a budget. Um, so, you know, the Portland is not in a great situation because, A, if you don't sign Dame to the Supermax, you, you, you probably lose him, right? But if you do sign him, then you're going to have a tough time building around him. That That is not a uh, not an enviable place to be if you're the Portland Trailblazers. So the suggestion out there, you mentioned the Ben Simmons trade. Is that the trade you make? Like, like we, we I, I, you wrote about it. You wrote about their fit uh, on NBA.com. You can go read that right now. Um, I agree with you. I think it would would fit, but should they pull the trigger on that? Like, is, is now the time, December 15th or whenever, to pull the trigger on something like that? Well, the tricky thing is that it, it – it, it, it's, it's Philly's call, essentially, right? Because they're the ones who have the super high asking price for Ben Simmons, reportedly. Um, there's been mention of, you know, I, I think it was Sham Sharani of The Athletic reported before the season that Philly asked for, like, CJ McCollum, three first-round draft picks, and three pick swaps, if I'm not mistaken, um, in a deal for Ben Simmons, which the Blazers Th- Does Portland even down. have that to give away? Like, they, they just gave away two draft picks for... Robert Covington, they, they've. I feel like I feel like they, they've. It's been a long time since they since they drafted someone in the first round. Um, you know, maybe, maybe we're talking about Anthony Simons the last time they they picked a first rounder, right? 
who's been great by the way Anthony Simons that's been one of like the bright spots for him this season um he's kind of looking like he's becoming the player that we thought he could be a couple years ago when he showed signs as as a rookie um but yeah I look like I I think that's just what's so difficult about this because I think if you're Portland you're at the point where you're like okay yeah now it's time to to see what we can get for CJ McCollum if we can get Ben Simmons that's great but all the reporting points to Philly wanting a star in return, um, you know, that there was that report from Sam Amick of The Athletic saying there's approximately, you know, 30 players in the league who, who they, they'd want in a trade for Ben Simmons. And it's everyone knows Damian Lillard is on that list, not necessarily CJ McCollum. Um, so, yeah, I, I think if you're the Blazers, like, it would be great if you get Ben Simmons. I, I think he would be a huge boost for them defensively. Him and Larry Nance Jr. in the front court, I think, would bring some much-needed balance on both ends for them. Like I said, I'm, I'm pretty high on his fit next to Damian Lillard. I think that's kind of like... I think Steph Curry is the perfect player that you could pair with Ben Simmons. Um, but Damian Lillard is like Steph Curry light. Um, and, I mean, I, no disrespect to Damian Lillard. He's one of the best players in the league. I don't mean it when I say, like, he's Steph Curry light. Um, but, you know, the way he bends defenses, the amount of attention he draws from the three-point line, all those kind of things, I do think they'd fit really well together. But, th- again, this all just comes down to, you know, what is Philly's asking price for Ben Simmons? And is that a trade that the Blazers can do for that that doesn't include Damian Lillard? Yeah. Uh, by the way, their last traffic was uh, Nas Little, uh, Nazir, Nazir Little okay. in the 2019 draft. And the Blazers do not have another first round draft pick till 2023. Uh, their next first their first round draft pick in 2022 is going to the Chicago Bulls. It's protected um, for for, I believe, the lottery. Uh, but that that ends up going to uh, that ends up going to Chicago uh, coming up here. And, um, you know, you, you talk about the first three draft picks and pick swaps and everything else. They, they may not even have that to give like that. We're, we're talking about, um, you know, way down the line if they're if they're because they can't trade their 2023 first overall. So, you know, Philly would have to be cool with waiting for their what their 2024 first overall pick or first round draft pick, I should say. That's, that's well, also. And, and also, I think Philly rightly wants to get someone who can, you know, contribute immediately. And that's what we've talked about, you know, the Warriors being a potential destination for Ben Simmons. But the reality sure. is, like, I don't know if the Warriors have the assets right now that would help put the 76ers over the edge while they still have Joel Embiid kind of at his peak um, in MVP, MVP form and everything like that. So that's the other part of this. It's like, is CJ McCollum... Obviously, they're going to want draft picks as well. But is CJ McCollum enough for them to kind of think that they can kind of compete and move up in the Eastern Conference standings this season and, and kind of next season and beyond and everything like that? That would be that would be an interesting. I I I, th- I don't know what the answer is, but I think the CJ McCollum supporters who who are generally out there beating the drum of he's way underrated as a player, and I tend to lean more on that side than just you know he's overrated. I think he is. I think he's a great player. Um, I agree. When, when in, a, in a perfect situation, I think that perfect situation might be in Philly. He could show up and help out in big games, especially in the playoffs. And you still have, uh, you know, a, a pretty good team with Tobias Harris and others around. Um, and he wouldn't have to be counted on defensively. So it would be an interesting situation for him to just kind of go and get buckets in Philly. But I have to see it first before I go out and say, you know what, this is the guy. But of, of the people that are available, which is no one knows who's available, um, there are there hasn't been much reporting on you know Philly uh, and in the Ben Simmons sweepstakes or teams wanting to call Philly and, and offer players in, in quite some time. 
um, he might be the guy. He might be the best name that we've heard. Like I know Bradley Beal has been bounced around, but that's been very quiet now uh, for a while. Um, you know, I, I don't think Zach Levine's going any anywhere, especially on a, in a contract year. And does Philly take that chance of like trading for Zach Levine and then he leaves? You know, I don't. I don't know. I don't know if that's the move. Um, I mean, Chicago's and, not trading and, Zach Levine based right. on how good they've been, right? And Chicago's yeah, that's and the other thing is Chicago's playing yeah. really well right now, um, so I think they would th- like to keep Zach Levine. But it, there's just I, I don't know where the options are shrinking, and I know that Maury said that you know this could take some time, but I think if I'm Portland, uh, I'm I'm gonna shorten that window a little bit and, and, and give Philly a call because it's time, it's time. Dame deserves deserves better there. Um, I just don't know how Portland gets it done. They have an interim GM in in the role now who just got the job probably a week ago, uh, and he's going to be expected to make probably one of the biggest trades in franchise history um, if you if you decide to do this and. Uh, it that's that's a lot of pressure for a guy who's uh, wearing the interim tag. It is a lot of pressure, um, and, and it is worth noting December fifteenth is a really important date because that's when the majority of the players who signed contracts in the offseason are eligible to be traded. So mm-hmm. there hasn't been much chatter on the Ben Simmons trade front over the first what month and a half, nearly two months of the season. But once that December fifteenth hits and more players become available, and you know, there's teams around the league who thought they were going to be competitive this season, haven't quite lived up to expectations. So like maybe there's more teams out there that kind of, you know, pick up that phone to Philly, um, see what they can get for Ben Simmons and, and, and things start to heat up on that front, which would only put, you know, more pressure on the Blazers because if, if another team swoops in, uh, makes a better offer than they do, assuming that they do want Ben Simmons, um, there's there's not, I guess, a ton of options outside of that. I really do feel bad for for Blazer fans. They've uh, they've really gone through it over the last couple of years. By the way, their defense. You mentioned how poor it is. Um, in 2019-2020, they finished 27th uh, defensively, and that's been their best in the last three years. Um, yeah. Of course, dead, second to last last year, and they're dead last this year. Um, they, their defense has been poor. Uh, and I don't know if Ben Simmons is the one guy that's going to walk in there and save it um, because they, they definitely need help in multiple spots. Um, the Covington trade's not looking good. It just, it just not looking good at the moment. Uh, and that's no disrespect to him. It's just that he he's not good enough defensively to cover all the holes that this team has. Yeah, I mean, but, but that's the thing. Like, I, I don't I'm with you. I don't think Ben Simmons alone is going to suddenly turn this team into an elite defensive team if that's the route that they went. But if you have Ben Simmons, you have Larry Nance Jr., you're taking some of the pressure off of Robert Covington to be like your do-everything defender, and suddenly you know he, he's capable of going back to kind of being the disruptor, playing the help defense that he likes to do. Like I, that, That's the step in the right direction, and that's what I mean. Like You're probably going to lose some of your offense um, in that way, but maybe you gain enough defensively to kind of find that balance that you need. Um, there's also, I mean, there's also other moves to be made, like the athletic Sham Sharania just reported before we hopped on this podcast that the Pacers are suddenly open to trading Karis LeVert, maybe even DeMontis Sabonis and Miles Turner. Like, is Miles Turner someone that is gettable um, for Portland? And suddenly you get Miles Turner and Ben Simmons surround them with Damian Lillard. You got two great defenders. You got a three-point shooting big man to pair with Ben Simmons so he can kind of just basically play in the paint with no one else around him. Um Again, I, I don't know if there's the moves out there to be made for Portland, but they do have some options to kind of, I feel like, right this ship. <laughs> I, I, I was going to say, that is uh, that sounds sweet if you're a Blazer fan. The problem is on the other end of that trade, does there is an NBA GM there that's pretty intelligent. And when you call and say, hey, here, here's Nazir Little for uh, 
for for Miles Turner, uh, the phone probably hangs up pretty quickly, right? Like there's not the, the Blazers just don't have many options um, in, in terms of trade pieces to to give up to get back. Um, I know Yusuf Nurkic is a nice player, but if you're looking to move Miles Turner, would you want Yusuf Nurkic back? I don't know. I think the argument for that, I mean, Miles Turner only has one more season left on his contract. I was going to say Nurkic is an expiring contract, so not that you'd necessarily just you know, kind of take the L on Miles Turner just to get an expiring contract, but that could draw some interest around the league. Um, I feel like if you can kind of pair it with something else, whether it is an Anthony Simons, like, like, look, it's an uphill battle that the the the, the Trailblazers have in kind of fixing this roster. Um, but I don't know. I feel like there are some options out there. Yes, we'll see. That's why it's the a GM. lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure. That's, that's why the GMs get paid the big bucks and we just... Uh analyze it from the comfort of our own uh, studio homes all right let's move on from the blazers because we're obviously not going to solve their issues in uh in 30 minutes but uh we will bookmark it and i'm sure we're going to have that conversation closer to december 15th on what they should or shouldn't do um the memphis grizzlies who i almost called the vancouver grizzlies at the top of this podcast uh, deserve a little bit more respect from not just me but the rest of the nba world um, they're on fire right now, Scott. John Morant mm-hmm. went down with injury, and I think a lot of people kind of, you know, tuned them out. Basically, said, "Well, we'll check back in with them, and when John Morant gets back healthy, and see where they're at." Then, well, they're on a five-game win streak, and they're sitting right there in the fourth spot in the Western Conference, knocking on the door, seeing if the uh, the top three can let them in. Um, this is a team that you know surprised many when they went to Golden State and, and beat the Blazers or sorry the Warriors uh, in the playing game a year ago. Um, they played well against the Jazz, but kind of just ran out of gas in their pretty much all of their first playoff series. Uh, and and here they are again with uh, you know a coach that I don't think many people would know if he walked right past you. You probably wouldn't you know be able to identify him and Taylor Jenkins. And they got this team rolling. Um, he has his team rolling. And it feels like they are just, you know, buying their time until until Ja gets back from injury. But how are they winning these games without John Morant? Yeah, it's fun. I mean, like you said, I, I kind of when John went, Morant went out, it's like they were already kind of struggling. So I thought this was just going to be bad news uh, for the two, three, however long weeks he was going to be out. Um, but it's interesting. So heading before John Morant's injury, this team ranked 11th on offense, so above average. But dead last, 30th in defense, okay? They were just a disaster on the end of the, that end of the court. So in the five games since John Moran's been injured, they're 7th in offense, so they've they've bumped up a few spots, and they've gone from 30th in defense to 1st. And look, some of that has to do with the fact that they just beat the Thunder by 200 points or whatever it was, setting the NBA record for the largest um, right. win um, in NBA history. But they've had some like and real they, wins. And- and they pounded the Sacramento Kings, you know, a couple yeah. games before that. They beat them by almost thirty. So, it, you know, those two those two games specifically will inflate the stats, right? Exactly. And we're talking about a tiny sample size here. But they the other three wins. I mean, they beat the Raptors. Um, that was a good win. They beat the Mavericks, who have been struggling a little bit late, but they've been pretty solid this season. And they beat the Heat, um, who are also dealing with some injuries. But those are like some good wins for them. Um, and during this stretch. I mean, we've Jaron Jackson Jr. has long been one of the most interesting players in the league, I think. And he got off to a pretty up-and-down start this season. Um, he, he was shooting pretty well from the three-point line, but inside, he just couldn't make anything. Um, but he's kind of seems like he's found his groove. It looked like he was starting to get there just before John Moran's injury. And he's had some big games in the, the last five games that he's missed. So that's been great to see for them. Desmond Bain has been incredible. 
Um, he, he showed signs of life like last season, but he, yeah. he's, he's, he's taken a big leap this season. And he's a guy, look, I know should second year players be in the most improved player conversation as a debate the that everyone likes no. to have. But Desmond, no. I mean, Desmond Bain's going to be in the conversation with the way that he's playing right now. He's had three 20 point games in the last five games. Um, he's driven quite a few of their wins. He, he's been really good. And Dylan Brooks, look, he came back not long ago. You and I love Dylan Brooks. He's a guy, there's there's no shot that he hasn't liked in, in his NBA career. He will take anything, but he's tough. Um, he has no fear. And, you know, he had eight assists against the Heat. Like, he, he can do a little bit of everything. So it really, this, it's been fascinating to see this team kind of just completely flip their identity since John Moran's injury. Um, and I think, you know, when he comes back, we'll see how everything plays out. But if, if, if him missing this time is what this team needed to kind of buy in defensively and find their groove... That's not that's not necessarily the worst thing in the world. Yeah, I, I, first of all, I want to pat myself on the back for uh, picking Desmond Bain in our on our redraft of the mm. uh, the on the anniversary of the twenty I want to say twenty twenty NBA draft. Uh, we decided yeah, I had to, to think redraft. About that for a second. <laughs> we decided we decided to redraft. It just happened like a, a week ago, two weeks ago. So we decided to redraft um, in, in order to see uh, if there was any movement. Desmond Bain, who went later in the first round, fell to me. I think at eight, and that's just looking like a steal right now uh, for for me personally. The other thing is, you know, Dylan Brooks came back, and you mentioned all these great things about you know the chip on his shoulder and the, the offense, uh, efforts side of things, and, and and the ability to to kind of step up and just take big shots that no. No one else wants to take defensively is where he makes the biggest impact on this team because he's the one guy that can go out there they have they have others but he's the one guy that goes out there on a nightly basis and says all right lebron i want to check you um you know devin booker you're mine jimmy butler if you're healthy last night you're mine um and and he and he takes on that challenge on a nightly basis to be that guy and they feed off of that because it just not only do they feed off his confidence but I think it puts everybody down a peg into their correct spots. Who Desmond Bain, a really good defender, but he's not at the level where he's going to be checking the best player on a nightly basis and doing a good job of that. But you put him on a secondary uh, guy and or in a help situation where he can, you know, where you switch off and he guards him for a couple of possessions. He looks great. Uh, Brandon Clark, who's had up and down, you know, <laughs> career so far, uh, started off the gate great. Last year was horrible after they changed the shot. But he, he's a guy that you know comes off the bench and he's going to be in the right places in a defensive system and figures things out. And when you look at Dylan Brooks' on-off numbers defensively for the Memphis Grizzlies, they've played 24 games without him, right? So they're, uh, they were giving up 113 points, 113.2 points per 100 possessions without him on the floor. In the 11 games that he has played, uh, they, they're, just, they're around 100 points per 100 possessions. So about 13 the difference there um, when he's on the floor defensively, and that's that's a big that's a big huge number, right? That's yeah. the worst t- defense in the league to, to somewhere in the middle of the pack, right? So it's it's a uh, or actually they would be they would be the second best defensive team in the league, um, you know, with, with that number. So that's a a, a big jump. Um, obviously, that it's not just on him, but like I said, I think when he's on the floor, it just knocks everybody back into their regular spot um defensively and not having them to kind of overextend um the other thing is uh without john morant you know his offensive output you have to defend right because you just don't have that you don't have that guy that's going to be able to just explode for 40 on any given night so you you got to be able to slow the game down a little bit and maybe jaws watching from the sideline and saying all right well if our team could play at this level defensively and i know what i bring offensively this team could be really tough i the one step John's done a great job this year, Scott. The one thing I need to see from John that will make him 
I think a a player that we say, all right, he's creeping into the top ten players of the league conversation. He's got to get it done on the defensive end. He's not there yet, right? Like he and he shouldn't be either. He has a lot of responsibility offensively. Um, it's only his third year in the NBA. He's still learning on that end of the floor. But I think he has the tools to be disruptive. I think he has the tools to be at least a, a really good off-ball defender. Um, and, and, he, and he does show flashes. But once he becomes consistent there, this guy, he, he's going to be bumping his head against that, uh, you know, let me into the top 10 conversation. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think he's always going to be somewhat limited on the end of the court just because of his size, right? Like he, he's going to be a guy who's probably going to struggle to contain or switch on to bigger players and everything like that. Um it's really easy to say, use Steph Curry as an example because he's one of a kind, um, a player we may never see again. But you look at like the strides that Steph's made throughout his career on the defensive end of the court. Um, you know, a guy who carries the offense, the offense is built around him. And yet he's developed into a guy who can be disruptive on the defensive end, isn't someone people can kind of just pick on over and over and over again. Um, you know, Steph's a great model in a number of ways for different players, um, but especially kind of slighter guards to to kind of build, you know, grow into their own body and learn how to be um, an impact defender on the end of the court. So I, I, I'm with you on Ja. I mean, offensively, he's absolutely incredible. Um, he's he's taking kind of a step every single season. Um, the way that he started out this season, he was playing like an MVP candidate. Um, but yeah, if, if that's what I'm saying. Like the, the, the way that these Grizzlies have defended without him, um, when he comes back, assuming that he's kind of the same player that he was beforehand, if they can kind of be better defensively to the point where they're not 30th in the league. Um, I, I really do kind of like this team. Uh, and the West is pretty open right now, right? Like we've mm-hmm. we've talked about Western Conference tiers. We've got the Warriors and the Suns at the top. The Jazz, uh, we know, going to pick up a ton of wins in the regular season. This is a fantastic team on both ends of the court. But really, since then, like that number four spot is wide open. And there's like six, seven, eight teams right now fighting for that spot. Um, I don't know if the Grizzlies can get it, but with the way that they're playing right now without John Moran, and assuming he comes back soon, I mean, it seems like they have a chance, right? Yeah, I, I, on the on the John Moran defense thing, I know he's I know he gets kind of the benefit of the doubt with people saying he's a little slight. You know, he's he's not heavy in the butt. He's he's a, he's a, he's not a big guard. But Jajante Murray's basically the same size and gets it done defensively. I'm not saying that you know John Morant's going to turn into an all defensive type of player because Dejounte Murray does have length on him. Um, He's like an eight foot wingspan. But they're just but they but they're the same. He doesn't get pushed around. Is what I'm saying. He's, he's they're the same size. And you know, Jaw could be a little bit better. Is what I'm saying. I don't want to use the excuse that he's he's small. He, he could he could be better on that end with with a little bit of effort. I, I wanted to talk about the Rockets, but we might have to move that to next week because we are running out of time here. Um, so we'll, we'll push the Rockets to next week and just keep our fingers crossed that they're going to continue to win. Uh, <laughs> because I, I don't know when else we'll talk about them this season if they if they do start to fall a little bit here. But let's jump into our notebook before we get out of here, Scott. Uh, give me a couple things that you've been watching from around the league. I've been watching quite a lot of the Cavs lately. They've been super fun. Um, Evan Mobley is obviously getting a lot of headlines. Jared Allen has, he's been playing like an all-star level um, for a a large portion of the season. But Darius Garland, man, he's so much fun. Um, It it really, I remember a lot of people being really excited about him going into the NBA. Um, He he had kind of a quiet rookie season. He showed signs last season, but he's really made a leap since Colin Sexton has been sidelined. He's just super fun to watch. A guy who, is very herky-jerky, um, can shoot off the dribble. He's a great passer. Um, and yesterday in our uh, NBA Global Slack, I dropped in a pl- player comparison as we've talked about before, these things that I love to do. And if you compare Darius Garland's third season stats to uh, 
the one and only Stephen Curry, they're pretty similar right now. And I, I don't want to put that pressure on Darius Garland, but it kind of just speaks to to the trajectory that he's on. Okay, we're, um, we're not doing that. Let's let's not put Darius Garland in the same conversation as Steph Curry. Look, I, I think this guy can be an all-star. I really do. I don't know if it's going to happen this year, but I think you know next season, two seasons away, um, with the way that he's playing right now and what he's shown, this guy can absolutely be an all-star. I want to debate that, but we're, we are short in time, so we'll, we'll push that, that conversation until next week as well. Um I want to talk about the Hornets real quick. This is a Hornet team, fourteen and twelve, as at the time of uh, speaking to you right now. Um, they're five and five in their last ten. They, they have a bunch of players out in, in COVID protocol, uh, but they're eighth in the Eastern Conference. They lost uh, just last night to the Sixers in, a, in an overtime game. It's it just there's there. I'm scratching my head every time I watch them play because they when they're healthy, they do have pieces around them. And uh, Miles Bridges has taken the all star leap and he could very well be an all star this year, depending on how things shake out. Um, we know what Lamel Ball brings to the table. We know what Gordon Hayward brings to the table, even though I want a little bit more from him. They're the second worst defensive team in the league, and they're still figuring out a way to, <laughs> to be competitive um, against really good teams. And I, I'm going to be so interested to see how this works out for them because they, they just don't guard anyone, and they're still in games. So I, that's something I'm going to keep my eye on for the rest of the season. Yeah, they've been really good um, offensively, and they play at like one of the fastest paces in the league. I feel like whenever I watch a Hornets game, they're just getting up and down the court. Lamella Bowles pushing the pace, throwing alley-oops. Um, Kelly Oubre has been really good for them lately, um, a guy yes. who you know had a down year last year in Golden State. So, I mean, they're just a really fun team. When you were going into the season, they were going to be fun to watch, um, but they've been a little bit feistier. Um, I think than we we thought. And Miles Bridges, as you said, has been absolutely fantastic and is going to get a, a big payday in the offseason. Sure um, another one for me, Donovan Mitchell has been great lately. He has three mm. straight 30-point games. And not only that, the way he took over down the stretch of that Celtics game um, and also that Cavaliers game, um, he's just, he's been he's been absolutely fantastic lately. And we've talk, we talked a lot about the Jazz last week, um, but him, he continues to just add to his game every single year, I feel like. Um, I, he still has those like seven for 22 games that just make me just frustrate me every so often. Um, but when he's rolling, like there, there are a few guys who are as fun to watch as him when he has it rolling. Yeah, he, uh, he is one of those guys that could explode as we saw in the bubble. He could really explode for, uh, for big nights on any given, uh, any given night. Doesn't matter who's in front of him defensively. Um, MVP discussion does not often, um, you know, have no controversy especially this early in the season i think most people if the season ended today they'd say all right steph curry's the mvp he's been the most you know out i guess he's been the front runner um for a while now and actually he was my pick at the beginning of the season to win mvp i know Giannis has missed a couple games uh last Mm -hmm. week but he came back um you know against the Cavs, and you know just had a ho-hum 27 and 12 night uh you know it just just another just another regular night for Giannis. knocked down three threes um you know it, it is what it is with him uh you know on the season 27 points 11 rebounds um you know almost six assists a steal and a block and a half you know, shooting, <laughs> shooting well from the field and starting to knock down threes as well, hitting his free throws, uh, you know, at a, a, I guess above average clip for him by his standards. He's one of the only few NBA players getting to the line. He's, he's in double digits, uh, free throw attempts, even with the new, uh, you know, foul rules. I don't know if we appreciate this guy enough, man. Like, it's it's weird that it was his birthday the other day, and uh, you know, when you look at what he's done, um, you know, in the short amount of time 
at the top of the league, right? Like, cause he really yeah. only burst onto the scene and, and, and got into the conversation of being one of the best players in the league, maybe two, three years ago. And since then he, he's racked up award after award after award. And it's almost like, you know, he goes out and gives you 27 and 12 in his sleep. And we are just kind of like, ah, well, this is normal. This is regular. Like this dude is 27. He's already made the all NBA 75 team. We know he's going to be in the hall of fame. He's, mm-hmm. He just came off his championship win and, 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 and he might not even be in his prime. <laughs> like, like, what are we yeah. doing here? It's just, it's insane that we just kind of take some of this stuff for granted. So I just wanted to shout out Giannis, especially since it was his birthday. Look, he's going to be one of the most decorated players in NBA history at the rate that he's going right now. I mean, he's already, he's already up there, right? And it's crazy yeah. to think he just kind of rolls out of bed and gets 25, 12, 5, 2, and 1. Um, and, you know, we saw, we've talked a lot about this before as well, but he, like, he made a leap in the playoffs last year. Like, the game slowed down for him. He was better getting to his spots. He looked like he was just taking games over when he wanted to and just knew he could overpower and get his way to the basket whenever he wanted. Um, and even this year, like it feels like the game has slowed down for him even more, um, especially as a passer. Like He looks more patient in that regard. Um, he, he's just been absolutely fantastic. And I, I actually had one note um, about them. So with Drew Holiday, Giannis, and Chris Middleton in the 10 games that they have played together at this point, they're a perfect 10-0. And not only that, they are averaging 117.9 points per 100 possessions <laughs> with that, those three on the court and holding teams to 97.6 points oh, per 100 possessions. So they're outscoring teams by 20.4 points per 100 possessions. They are absolutely dominating teams. They got off to a slow start this season. But you look at the standings, they're one game out of the number one seed. They are cruising. Um, I Look, we talked a lot about the Suns and the Warriors. The Bucks might be the best team in the league. Yeah, they really might be. They might. They were my pick at the beginning of the season to uh, to make the finals, and I think we had a chat, and we won't go super deep into this um, now because you could go read about it on NBA.com. We had a chat ranking uh, each team in the Eastern Conference into tiers, and it was clear to you and I that the Bucks were in tier number one alongside the Nets. We had a little bit of debate about the Heat. But there's there's no question in my mind that the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, you know, are going to make it out of the Eastern Conference as we sit here today. And that includes a healthy Brooklyn Nets team, and you can throw Kyrie Irving there. Um, I, I I really don't think I need to see anything else from this Milwaukee team. Um, you know, the fact that I saw them on opening night, and they were missing Drew Holiday. And, you know, the, the Heat blew them out. Um, I, was, I was there in, in Miami to watch that game. The Heat, like, crushed them. And... I still left that game saying, man, like, the books are really good. You know, it's, it's rare that you, you leave a game where they're, they're blown up by like 20 and you, and you look at the talent that they have and the size and you know who knows how long uh, Brook Lopez will be out. But um, I'm sure he, hopefully he will be back you know, for, for postseason run. But even without him, they're still really talented. Donovan DiVincenzo is still not even playing. Like Dante, sorry, DiVincenzo is still not playing. Like they – <laughs> this is a good team. Like they still have yeah. pieces that, to to come back, and who knows what they do at the trade deadline? Like Amer- imagine uh, they find a way to to get Harrison Barnes. You know, just just because you know, mm-hmm. they, they, like p- players are going to want to join this Milwaukee team and have fun because they they're winning and, and doing it at a high level. So, ah uh, man, yeah, I, I, that's all the time we have for today. Like we, we, I can go on and on and on about Giannis and the Bucks. I I just feel like we're not giving them the respect that they deserve because they've they've done a lot over the last four years now 
And, mm. you know, because they've had those bumps in the road, the first two playoff runs, but the, the, all of that should have been erased, you know, when we saw what Giannis did in the finals. But it seems like that stigma is still kind of around this team, and I, I just don't get it. Look, I, I, I'm with you on all that. Um, and, and Giannis, too. I, I just think Giannis is everything that we love about the NBA, right? Like, this guy came into the NBA, wasn't touted as being like an all-star, um, develops at a way we've really never seen, um, is an absolute freak kind of player, one of a kind, but just like, he seems to just enjoy everything, right? Um, you see the off-court stuff after games of him giving away his jersey, giving away his shoes to kids, like he, he gets that. Um, but he's also like, I mean, we, we've seen like chase down after chase down block in like a, a kind of meaningless regular season game for them in, in November. And he's sprinting from one end of the court to the other to try and prevent a layup in the middle of the third quarter. Like this guy plays hard every single minute he's on the court and it's impossible just to not root for him. So I, I've always loved Giannis. I, I, it was great to see him break through the playoffs finally last year. And like you said, it's just crazy to think that he's already accomplished all, all this stuff that he has and we may he may not have even reached his peak yet, and like that 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 just speaks to everything. And the Bucks <laughs> have done a great job building around him. Um, this team yeah. is, is super fun, so I, I'm with you on everything on that. So there you have it, folks. We love the Milwaukee Bucks. We love Giannis. How about that? Um, in a couple of weeks, we're going to be voting on our best players in the league. Right now, I think I've already you know locked in my vote for Giannis. I need to see I need to see something from KD. And no disrespect to Steph, but I think they're playing for second and third there. I, I think I've already locked in my vote for Giannis. But we could discuss that at a later date. For Scott Rafferty, I'm Carlin Gay, reminding you we'll be back here 1 p.m. Eastern time next Tuesday. Hopefully Houston's still on a win streak by then, and we will mention them uh, and talk a little bit more in depth about their growth over the last week or so. Um, But until then, if you've missed any part of the podcast, you can go and find it wherever you get your podcast. Uh, just type in NBA Sound System. And if you haven't yet, please rate and review. It does a, uh, you know, a world of help for us as we continue to grow and reach a new audience. Again, for Scott Rafferty, I'm Carlin Gay. We will see you next week. Enjoy Giannis and the Milwaukee Bucks. <laughs>